we communicate over text with a whole lot of residents now. Um, and that is, I would say, one of the biggest differences um, because nobody reads emails anymore, right? Emails, the new mail, you have so much of it, right? During this conversation, I bet I'll get 80 emails when I look at my phone again, right? That's hard to keep up with. Um, but text, very immediate, right? And no one answers the phone either, right? So we, we text a lot. So if there is something, you know, my, uh, we had a building yesterday with a problem, 70 residents we had to notify, I could send them an email, that wouldn't work. We could wait for them to call, that wouldn't work. But we sent a text to them all, and that works. It is a common saying amongst real estate investors that you make money when you buy, not when you sell. While this catchy phrase has value, it fails to convey how easy it is to lose money through poor property management. Whether you self-manage or hire a professional, it is important to understand how to navigate the common pitfalls and challenges with rental properties without losing your shirt or your mind. That's why you have tuned in to Maximizing Your Property Value, the Apartment Owner's Guide to Operating Rental Properties as a Successful Business. I'm your host, John Stiles, real estate agent and team leader of the VIP Real Estate Group at Bridge Realty. As a current multifamily investor and former property manager myself, I understand the headaches and difficulties of keeping an investment property from becoming a money pit and time sucker. It takes a solid business plan, it takes tested systems, and it takes key team members to actually find success. So let's take a deep dive and maximize your property value. All right, welcome back everybody to another episode of Maximizing Your Property Value. My name is John Stiles, I am your host, and today I am pleased to have Kurt Flugel with us in studio. Happy to be here. Kurt is the CEO of Invest Property Management, and he has a background in managing rental properties as well as being an investor himself. So Kurt, why don't you expand on that, just uh, inform our listeners and viewers a little bit more about yourself and how you got to where you're at today. Sure. I, there's a, I mean, there's a long story, so we'll give the short version, right? So I, I, I'm actually a software developer by, by trade. That's uh, what I was. Sold a software company um, is really how it started. Um, once we did that, I took about a week off, uh, told my brothers to quit their jobs, and we were going to do a high-end home theater company. Uh, that was around 2007, 2008. Uh, for those that know history, that is not the right time to have done that. So we started this company, uh, you know, we did well, we won some awards, it was cool, but nobody built houses. Um, obviously, we're, we're, we're burning through cash and someone brought up to me, hey, you should invest in real estate. So, you know, you get out there, you meet people, they're like, this would be a great thing for you to do. And that's, that's what I did. So I started out as a, what's called a straw man, right? Someone that couldn't afford the down payment. I was just their cash. I was told, uh, I didn't know anything at this point, right? I'm just told, you just got to put the money. You don't even have to see the property. You never have to meet her. Everything will be fine. Uh, I think we all know how this one probably ends. Uh, she ends up going to jail for fraud. I end up with a home I never intended to have. And that was my first investment. So with that start, how can you not fall in love with it, right? So, but I did. I had the bug. From there, we started buying duplexes because now we're full into the recession. Uh, so the property or the uh, the home theater company technically never went out of business. Uh, it was Triken um, at the time, uh, Triken LLC. Uh, now it's Triken Incorporated, but it's the same same company. We just kept it going and big pivot from high end home theater to 
purchasing real estate. So we did everything the hard way. So you'll hear all these great people of mentors and all that. I'm not smart enough for that. I just dive in and, and see what you can learn. And, and that's what we did. We kept buying duplexes. Then we realized uh, my brothers are both more in the construction side of thing. Uh, my oldest brother, general contractor. So they would repair them, get them ready. And then we're like, oh, now we have to manage them. Um, smart person would hire a property manager. Uh, I'm not being that guy. We just did it ourselves until we learned what we were doing. And over the years, again, acquisition, acquisition, sort of to where, where we're at now. And once you, you learn those things and then reach out, join organizations, read books, right, and get the knowledge on top of it, managing for others as well. And so now we have this sort of split business where we, I'm still an active investor, but we have a full-blown management company as well. Okay. Very good. And so with your management company, what would be your main focus as far as the geography that you service and type of properties? What's sure. your ideal client? Yeah. I mean, our ideal client is investor-based. Um, with that said, we, like all of us, we started in single families and we still manage a lot of single family, which where you have a strong market of, of what we still call accidental landlords, right? They're, they're not as savvy on it and all that. I am, I'm all for those people as long as they want it to be an investment and want to, to learn as an investment. I love teaching that level of, of new investors and, and being a part of it, helping them understand the long game. That's really the, you know, come back a lot, right? The whole thing about real estate, right? There is no get rich quick. That's not what it was ever built for. Has a lot of amazing advantages, but that's not one of them, right? And accidental folks sometimes, right? They don't want to pay that $300 bill. Um, they just want to get paid cash out of it. No investment, you know, works that way, um, including real estate. So, I do love that, but when you get to larger and larger investors, uh, we'll manage all the way up to apartment buildings. What I own now is apartment buildings. So again, we're kind of split in the fact that, you know, things with full on-site staff is something we work in all the way down to single families and uh, bank owned, you know, you, you name it. I love a challenge. So I have this, uh, th that core part of me, if you heard how I would just jump into things, I still enjoy a bit of uh, doing something unique and I'll, we'll usually do that. Yeah. And so what areas do you focus in? Yeah, so we're based in St. Paul. Uh, I think most of us in the Twin Cities work throughout it, right? I'm a broker in both states. I actually live in Hudson, Wisconsin. So we work um, on, on both sides of the river, as it were. Um, if it's a fully managed property, um, like a large apartment building, then our geography goes very wide. I mean, we have stuff from Wausau, Wisconsin to uh, Rush City, uh, Menominee, uh, pretty big area. So um really throughout the states. But if it's a single family, the core Twin Cities market. Okay. And when you when you say fully managed, uh, what does that really mean? Is there like a certain unit or you need to have on-site staff? At least that? one on-site staff. Okay. Right? I mean, look at it this way. I can't send a leasing agent to Wausau, Wisconsin to fill a vacancy, right? And um, I don't, uh, the caretaker model is a tough one. So once you're up to at least one staff, um, you can really manage remotely, right? We can work as a regional manager model. Okay. Um, to a pretty wide area, but there's got to be at least someone there that we're managing. Yeah. What would you say would the, be the unit count to uh, to really budget and afford uh, at least one on-site staff member? Yeah, and that, that it comes down to rent prices, right? So that like anything, it's like, well, it depends, right? The answer of everything in real estate, it depends. Yeah. Uh, but for, for us, we have some 70 units that make sense. Um, I'm looking at a 60-some unit in uh, Iowa right now, but it 
the rents are high enough and, and because it is a uh, section 42 property, there is staff there. And if the numbers work, I, I don't mind, you know, traveling to, to Iowa once a month to, to visit with the staff. We work so much through video conferencing remotely. We use, you know, we're paperless from day one. So we've always been built for, for that environment. So is again, as long as there's one and, and unit count, lowest I've seen that really works is, is 60 and above. Okay. Yeah. Makes sense. Very good. So as you have built up uh, your property management company in-house and begun to you know, manage for other people, um, what, do you, what would you say is kind of some key characteristics of a good property manager? Yeah. The, uh, yeah. Uh, it's so much easier. I can tell you some of a bad property manager, right? But it's... That works too. Yeah. Well, <laughs> it's, a tra- it's like everything in, 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 in life, right? The, the bar for entry isn't really high, right? Um, to get your real estate license, we've both done it, right? It, it's, it's not an impossible bar. And that's, that's the minimum bar to manage for others, right? I mean, you have to work under a broker. But if, if you're not at least specializing in it, right, that matters. But it's, it's experience and it's understanding. And, you know, our first time, we had to get our first client like everyone else, right? And you couldn't say, yeah, we manage for millions of others. We've been doing it for a decade, right? And you had to convince them. And they were a client for, uh, I think, eight years uh, before I let them go, in all honesty, because it didn't match our priorities anymore, right? And, but it's important, right? And, and, and the skills, of course, it's, it's a customer service job. And if you don't understand that, um, and, it's, and it's a long game, right? So both with, with residents, right? Uh, unlike traditional real estate, right? And the reason... I know your background a little bit. You used to to work more in that and and you don't. I tried to start a brokerage and decided that's not for me, right? They're not the same thing. And I'm not saying you can't do both, but you certainly have to understand they're not the same thing. So you want someone that that really gets those those nuances of, you know, those residents are with you for at least a year. Uh, Successful for an investor is, is obviously everything over a year, right? That um, you know, we want at least two years in a single family, uh, three, four, five, um, you're really getting a good return. So that's a whole different game, right? And you got to be always thinking that way. So you're thinking of, it's a, I explained to every new person, property management is a whole lot of process, right? It, it, we have written documented workflows for everything we do and nothing ever follows it, right? Because every day, <laughs> something magical and fun happens. So you have to love both being very detail-oriented, but understanding nothing will follow the plan. So it's a lot like life, right? And and if you thrive on that, um, and if you find a property manager that thrives on that, they're, they're going to do well. So I'm a software programmer by trade, but I'm also a religion major. That is a weird combination. Makes me suited for this, right? And And Maybe that's what you want to find, a software programmer with a religion degree. And uh, <laughs> uh, I, lo- I love uh, employees that work for me with, with counseling or psychology background, frankly. It's, and it's true. And I have, I have multiple um, of that because it's, it's a big part of what we do is, is people. That's really interesting. I actually got a degree in intercultural studies, okay. which is very much like understanding how other people think, how their cultures uh, operate. And so I always thought that uh, it was... It was helpful. It you know, helped me to be patient with um, my tenants, my you know everything that was involved with uh, in the owners and whatnot. Yeah. So 
Yeah, I have to uh, explain to people a lot. I'm like, we tend to make friends, and and I know the studies on this. You're, the circle around you tends to be just like you, right? And yep. and that can be good or bad or healthy and unhealthy, and that's why those studies exist. But if you're going to be in property management, you are going to work with a lot of people that aren't like you. Yeah. And if if your reaction is they're they're dumb, they're wrong, they're bad, they're whatever, uh, to me that's that's a it's a big thing in in this industry of if you ask what to look not for, that is super common. And if that's the way you actually feel and go through life, you're you're not going to do well because the the people I work for, the the majority of them are not like me, and you have to thrive on that. Yeah. It's really amazing how many different cultures there are. You know, we we tend to like if we just stay within our one people group, right? We we have our own small world, and we feel like, oh, this is just how everybody is. But once you step out into the world, there's a lot of different ways to approach things. There are, there are, and uh, so same thing. Your background is is perfect, right? You're fascinated by that, as as am I, and I I feel uh, to be in anything where you're really serving people. Um, that's that's a key thing. Um, I always say everything we do in our mission statement, all that, that's that's the core focus. And there's a of course, we know how to, you know, we know cap rates and we know we know growth. And I know what ten dollars times 100 units uh, divided by a cap rate means. Right. And all that's important. That's a base knowledge, though. Um, you, you, you shouldn't play if you don't know that. Right. But the success is is the people part for sure. Nice. Well, I'm curious, as you've built your business and obviously you, you started small, but it grew it. Um, how have you divided up roles and responsibilities? Yeah, that's, it's, uh, it's funny for us. Um, and what I've learned, uh, and, and as I add my new role right now, which will be operations, right? Because I've, I've done every role like any small business, right? So I've, I've been the leasing agent. I've been the property manager. I've, I've collected rent by hand back when we take cash. I mean, you, you name the story, right? I've done it once upon a time. And as you're trying to, build something that that will last right there's there's a lot that has to change and for me i i i'm always real honest with my mistakes i've done that wrong a hundred times over and we have changed our our staff and how we staff a hundred times over and we used to be primarily single family which you look at one way right and as we're uh a lot more multifamily mixed in the way you staff is different as well so it's a bit of avoidance the the question, but the, the reality is we're very low staffed as a company right now. Um, so there's usually the argument in single family world is always departmental, um, you know, that, that, you know, how do you organize? Right. And we've generally never, uh, we've always been departmental. So there's, there's a short answer, right? I have a bookkeeper who's good at the bookkeeping, right. And my property manager, you know, will, will oversee everything, not a portfolio based model. Right. I've, We've never done portfolio, if, if that's the main thing of the question. But right now, um, that's the key. But I have different units now because of that community, that community, that community. And then the managed single families are one community as well. So in a way, we're a little more portfolio than I've ever been. And that's why it's tricky to, I'm in discovery of that still. And if you can't look back and rediscover, right, as a, a, a small business, right, we're 15 people. Um, so you're, you're constantly learning, learning from that. So I don't think I directly answered, but that's because <laughs> I've hired four people in the last week and, and some big hires going on right now. And, uh, you know, ask, ask me in two months what worked and what we changed again. But, okay. um, but generally I, I like a, a hybrid approach that everything in life isn't about 
do you do departmental or portfolio, but it's, it's somewhere in between, right? I never want someone to call and someone says, oh, only Steve knows that answer. That's the last thing I want. And that's the reason you can't go straight portfolio, but you also want relationships, which means if you have one person who's in charge of a thousand, they don't know anyone, right? So finding that balance is usually some sort of hybrid in between. Um, I really want specialists, right? That, you know, uh, well, yes, anyone should be able to answer something. You're, you, you talk to these owners every week. You talk to these owners every week, right? You need some kind of organization. So we're reaching out to people and talking to people, not when there's a problem, but when things are fine, right? That, that's important. It's important for as much for my employees as it is for them, right? If, if all you do is answer the phone to people angry at you, right? Because that's usually when you talk to us. Uh, it's 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 not good for anyone, right? And if you truly believe in, in, in the people part of it, you want to be communicating with them more often. And I'm still trying to figure out exactly how to staff that. There's yeah. the reality. Okay. Well, I think, thanks for your honesty in that. Um, obviously, we know as business owners, things are constantly changing. you got to always course correct as you see how things unfold. Yeah. Pivot's a big word for me. I like it a lot, right? You can't be afraid to, to change um, because it, the world's going to change either way. So you either change with it or you get buried. So. Yeah. Very good. So I want to transition into the part of my show called Tenants Make Me Laugh. All right. And I'm wondering if you have any stories, sounds like you do, of times when, uh, you know, you've experienced something with a tenant, a vendor, or a property owner, where it's like, this only happens in property management. Um uh, so what comes to mind in that? Yeah, and I was uh, was a little worried about this question. I'm not going to lie. I'd, I'd heard uh, some of your, your previous podcasts on it. And for me, just based on, on who I am and how we're trying to run it, right? If you got me a couple beers in a bar, right, I, I might start throwing out some stories. But as a general thing, I, I don't enjoy it. Just like we don't use the word tenant in our company, right? It's, it's resident. It's very important to me that we're not talking about them, but to them, if that makes sense. So I, I actually, all my peers are so into those stories and I don't like them. Um, I've had stuff that, I mean, you start making jokes because you have to, to stay not crazy sometimes about the most macabre things, right? I mean, we've had everything, right? You've, you, you get shootings, you get robberies. I had a building just uh, flood the other day. It was one of my buildings, right? It's like, well, there went, there went 30,000. And if you can't laugh at all of it, right? You'll go crazy. So I, I get the stories. Um, and I've had, I've had ten, tenants that do crazy things, but I look at it now. I'm like, yeah, that's because they actually have a mental disability. And I, I struggle to make fun of it. If that makes sense. And I don't mean to sound too, uh, and that's what people accuse me of. It's like, I, I don't, I just, it's just who I am. I don't want my, my employees thinking that way. I don't want me thinking that way. It's, it's easy to do because, yeah, crazy things happen. I, I'm more better at delivering on my own mistakes, right? I've made mistakes due to trusting residents or doing the things that have, that have cost me $20,000. I've lost a duplex over it to the city. Like they, you know, I delivered a speech on it. They, they hated me all because I, I let a drunk move in and the crazy things she did, right? But I can make stories about, about her. But the reality is I, I felt for her. Now I know as a professional, I can't do that, right? That was in the early days, right? My own stuff and, and all that. But those things affect me differently where I less make fun of it. And what, how can we provide housing for everyone when 
Some people just do the craziest stuff. And I have a fiduciary duty to my owners to not let crazy stuff happen, right? I look at it as, as, as a problem. And I, I know I wish I was actually trying to think of a story that would be funny uh, traveling here. And, and I'm sure I have some. But right now with, with what I, I strongly believe that's sort of against my, my peers in this, it's, it's just hard for me to do. And I think that's the trick. I, I, I feel too much that it's we're pitting uh, owners against us, against residents, against government. And then we're mad that the government does things. And I'm like, well, they're trying to solve a problem. You either be at the table or don't don't get mad at what they do. And I, I look at forums and I see people just saying they must be on meth and all that. And they're just saying all these things. And I'm like, maybe they are, right? <laughs> but let's not just go there, right? And, and to me, I... So I apologize for the, the non-funny response to, to what is lighthearted and in the office. Yeah, do we say things? Of course, right? We keep it light. But I, I struggle with, with that perception of, you know, that they're the butt of our jokes. Um, and most of our vendors, we have internal maintenance staff. So I'd be making fun of my brothers. I would love to do that, but I probably shouldn't. So. <laughs> well, I really appreciate that, uh, that answer even though it doesn't answer the question. Um, I, I know, I feel I'm avoiding everything you're saying, which wasn't my goal coming, so yeah. <laughs> no, but no, I appreciate that. And, and the intention of asking the question is, I think you appreciate it, is, is not to really make fun of them, but just to kind of highlight the fact that there's a lot of crazy stuff that happens in the business and you have to have a combination of some thick skin and a willingness to laugh even at yourself. Um, for sure. So, you know, maybe I need to work on the question a little bit. Oh, no. And I, I, I get it because we still at the office every time something truly new happens, right? Because it lessens every year, right? Your first five years, you're like, oh, my, that really just happened, right? And every every year now when it happens, it's like an event. It's like, now that I've never seen before, right? Yeah. And I, I wish I could uh, top, of, top of the tongue come up with one of those, but it does happen. But now it's like. Uh, you know, you hang out with peers and you've heard so many stories. I'm amazed still at, at 12 years in all of this, all that, that there's still a, a story. I'm like, I've, I've never heard of that happening. Right. And, and it does. And that is, uh, so to take it back, yeah, that's part of the magic of this. I, I love, I'm a guy who embraces change. So I, and, 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 you know, constant movement and, and things like that. So I love the fact that something weird happens every day. Um, and I'm pretty good at, yeah, don't, don't take it personally, right? If you take things personally, you will burn out real fast. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. Well, why don't we uh, move into the part of the show where we talk about relationship management? Sure. Because I think you've already kind of touched on it a little bit that uh, it's all about building relationships. Um, and so when we're talking about customers, you know, or sorry, when we're talking about tenants, mm -hmm. again, you know, to, on the one hand, we need to be enforcing the lease, but... On the other hand, we want to be able to build communities, especially in those larger buildings. Um, so what is your approach to customer service with tenants? Yeah, so that, that to me is a huge one, right? And, and everything is, is uh, you know, I feel like right now I'm supposed to just know and, and have all this knowledge, right? But, but 12 years in, I'm, I'm still learning, right? And, and that, again, is half the fun. But the is different everywhere. And for one that, you know, know your audience, right? So... There are communities, right? So we're all different, but just like in my given buildings, right? They all operate a little differently, right? I have three large, large to me, there's 70 units and 123 units, but 
One's a, one's a 55 plus, one's a section 42, one's in a rural area. So they're very different communities, right? But they do have, you know, some generalizations you can make about, about each group there. Um, and then how to tie that together. Yeah, that, that's fun. I mean, I think you brought up the, you know, how do you treat him and all that. And I'm, I've been working with some of the, the, the new employees, like what's the right word? And, and uh, sometimes I want to say parental, but it's not. But you want this, this level of, of, of trust between you, uh, but you want rules, right? And that's the biggest part. Like, like I, I say, did your parents ever get mad at you because you did something wrong, right? They still do. There were still rules and there were still consequences, right? Like we can treat people well, but there are still consequences, right? So if you don't, I really want us to be really nice to residents more than, than I feel I've seen out there. But will I evict you if you don't pay rent? Yeah, I have to, right? And, and, and it can still be that, right? Just understand it's not because you're a, and I want to, and you know, I want to bury you, right? It's, those are the rules and, and we have to abide by rules. So, uh, you know, I try so to explain that way. Let me dig into that a little bit. How do you communicate that? Um, Cause sometimes tenants, tenants will take things the wrong way. Um, and, accuse you of accusing them but you know how do you how do you approach that yeah and it's it is still complicated and i, I feel like people listen to this and all of a sudden residents reach out yeah but you right because <laughs> right. i i find myself not always and i'm like and it's back to where you, your training might even be be better on that i'm like okay you gotta okay they're not you they're not processing this the same way as you um but there there's there's two things one Back in the day when I had a bunch of duplexes, East Pites, East Side St. Paul, right? We dealt with the normal stuff, right? Where I had all the stories of, you know, $8,000 in damage on every move out, it seems, right? I've had times where, you know, after you, you pick up all the trash bags that are literally litter the entire apartment, the entire thing, uh, below that was, was, was cat feces, right? I'm like, that's the bonus at the end for getting all the garbage out, right? Two days of pulling out garbage to find out the entire floor is covered in that, right? But as we've changed our, our 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 buildings well so as the sort of the bare uh, tenancy we don't deal a lot with the outskirts as much anymore which means i don't know that we had an eviction at all in 2019 right so it's just naturally less and then part of me is that right too right is the bar too high so i have a lot of internal struggles of the right way to do that and the right way to communicate it as well so for us because in a single family, we don't have a good relationship. So they're whole different things, right? Uh, I would say almost every single family resident has never met me, probably doesn't know who I am. They signed their lease electronically. Uh, they were moved in sometimes with a lockbox, generally with the leasing agent. But if it's on a Saturday and Memorial Day, right? Sometimes even their move-in is, here's the lockbox code, right? It's very impersonal, right? So no one's walked them through the lease even. And I think we have this assumption that they read it, right? They have to initial every important part. We all know they haven't, right? So how do we properly explain the rules? I, I was thinking that just the other day, right? How do we walk through? And I'm thinking things like, like, like this, not in this format, but, you know, video walkthroughs, right? So for the ones not there, you know, hi, you know, I'm your property manager. I just want to discuss a few things, right? Just send them a video, right? We, uh, we communicate over text with a whole lot of residents now. Um, and that is, I would say, one of the biggest differences um, because nobody reads emails anymore, right? Emails, the new mail. You have so much of it, right? During this conversation, I bet I'll get 80 emails when I look at my phone again, right? 
that's hard to keep up with. Um, but text, very immediate, right? And no one answers the phone either, right? So we, we text a lot. So if there is something, you know, my, uh, we had a building yesterday with a problem, 70 residents we had to notify. I could send them an email. That wouldn't work. We could wait for them to call. That wouldn't work. But we sent a text to them all, and that works. Um, so trying to take what we learned from that, right, of modern ways to communicate, um, also knowing that doesn't work everywhere, Texting everyone in my 55 plus building, probably not the way to do it, but there it is community. The office is in a central area. They just walk down and they know each other. Yeah. My property manager in my 55 plus knows everyone there by name, right? 123 residents. You know, I, every time I go there, I'm amazed. Like they all just hug her as they see her and they have this great thing, but it's also my strongest building, right? Five star reviews and everything they do all the time. Um, I'm actually trying to learn how do you take that and put it in a distributed environment mm -hmm. and it's, it's different, but I, I think we have all these great things like we're doing right now of, of video, um, of text. So for a lot of how we do it, I think that's, that's our goal. A lot more of, of bring, bring information to them in a way they'll do it. And no one reads click through agreements and that includes leases. Sure. So my property manager is assuming people know the rules. That's, that's one of the things I'm, I'm working on. Yeah. I'm curious, in, have you always done leases electronically or have, did you used to meet with tenants uh, to go through the lease? Or I'd say because of my background, right, we brought in technology day one. We were paperless day one. Um, and our very first leases were paper. I love going back to see them. I'm like, you know, thank goodness we never had to go to court, right? This terrible <laughs> lease you Googled off the Internet. Um, don't do that, right? That's a... Uh, um, but pretty quickly, we be, we went to electronic leases. Um, first DocuSign, right, type stuff. And now it's just, it's a workflow in our software. I mean, it's all tracked and a clickable thing through our software. Very good for us. But is it best to, to make sure the resident knows? Um, but my apartment communities is split. They can sign with an employee there or they can electronic. So, okay. and that's, yeah. Nice. Okay. Now, what about uh, working with your property owners? Um, how do you balance the communication with them and uh, really provide good you know, communication, good um, level of transparency about what's going on, and yet not you know, allow them to, to control you and yeah. uh, you know, get in too much into your business? Yeah, and it, so it's, it's the same thing that I was saying about the rest, right? So a, a lot of my peers and the way it's been ingrained in all of us has always been, I don't ever want to hear from an owner, right? They better... It's my job to do this. If they go near it, they'll break it, right? I think that's tough for me because I'm an investor, right? And uh, to somehow, you know, say that that folks like me don't know what they're doing doesn't make sense, especially when the majority of people manage their own properties, um, you know, and, and, and I, I teach those people to manage their own properties, and I have no problem with that, right? That how to, how to do that is difficult. Now, the majority of the people that want us to manage do it because they don't want to deal with things. So it just naturally works, right? Um, and so my job is just to communicate with each owner in the way they want it. And that's tough to do times thousands, right? Right now we're at you know hundreds and it's easier, right? Uh, but to scale that is tricky. So another thing you're, you're trying to learn, right? But we have automatic communications for things that matter. Um, generally maintenance is the biggest thing with it, with an owner, right? It's, it's, it's outflow of money 
or money not coming in, right? That's the most communication they generally want, like something broke or uh, your, your resident didn't pay, right? So we, we have workflows to, to communicate that part. Um, and then the, more and more as we grow, as, as people realize, like in, we want to help this be an investment, it's doing the more proactive of, hey, how about once a year we sit down and we go over this as an investment and see where you're at. And that, that to me is the biggest part that we're just rolling out. And that's what I'm excited about, right? That's the, let's not just always talk about, you know, you need new carpet or all that. Let's say over this year, what do we think the value of your building is now, right? What were the, what, what did you get in cash flow? What did you get in tax savings? What did you get in appreciation? Um, you know, if, if it's something other than a single family, you know, based on cap rate, you know, however we need to value it, but give them a, a valuation once a year. Um, not because we wanted to sell, but what if we look and we see there's a bunch of equity, right? Maybe you should look to expand, right? There's no better feeling for me than, than my owners that add properties. I, I love that more than it. If you had one single family when you started with me and now you have four, um, there's no better feeling. So that's the level of communication that I want to be proactive. Um, we don't always have time to, uh, you know, just chat about basketball or, or football, whatever you're into, right, with, with our owners. Um, you can't charge affordable prices and also staff to a point where we can talk for four hours with, with each owner. It doesn't work. So to me, we have, we have ways to communicate the, the pain points, right, which are mostly those two. Um, and then, you know, let's, let's go over your portfolio, right? I'm, I'm here to handle your investment. So let's talk about that. So you, it's a good reminder that this isn't just a, a house that's losing money or, or making money, but it's, it's a long term. Yeah. yeah. Well, you've said a few different things that, that kind of bring me to, um, you know, why should a owner hire a manager? So we've talked about a lot of owners that self-manage and they, they like doing it. They know they're competent. Um, and others who, you know, don't care about it and they just, they're busy doing their other job or whatever else. Um, so what do you think the value is in, in bringing a property manager into the picture? Sure. And there's, there's two ways I have to approach this. And one is I always have to back up, you know, what's their goal, right? Is, is what matters, right? I, I know people that manage a, a smaller, a happy amount of properties for them. And that's what they want, which is fine. And I have to remind myself of that, right? Because I am a, a growth guy. So what I want from my portfolio is, is very different, right? I want constant, uh, you know, if there's a few things I learned from people, right? You, you never lose money in a deal you don't do. Uh, Kevin Atkins, you die in a realty. I got to throw that out, right? So in my first early days, he was this, this real estate agent who said it. Now, I still don't know that I agree with it. Like it bothers me to not win a deal, right? That's, that's the competitive side in me. But he's like, you know, if you, if you did what, you know, the idea is don't chase things, right? And, and, you know, we could go over stories where I've chased things and yeah, proven them right. Right. But you also need to learn, um, you know, all these, these other different, uh, um, so I'm, I'm, I'm getting far away from your question and I, I don't want to do that. So let's, you were asked specifically. So, yeah. Just the role of a property manager. Role of a property value. manager. And I was saying, because some people can manage their own and they're happy. And, and to that, I say, there's a reason I've, I've chaired the independent owners committee and I enjoy it. I, I honestly think some people can, but I know a lot of people can't. So the value of us are two things. One, if you really want to grow, 
you can't sit there and be that nuanced in your property and be the guy fixing the microwave and actually grow. You, you simply can't do it. So if your goal is to grow, and what I've learned now, if that's what makes you happy, God bless you, do it, right? But for most of us that are using this as an investment vehicle and want to grow it, that's what you'll get trapped in. You'll get trapped in the cycle and you had one property and 10 years later you have one property and 20 years later you have one property. That's what happens if you don't have someone with experience looking at it, right? Um, that's a huge thing. And then there's just the day-to-day, -day, right? There's the obvious that we're there as a, as a shield in a way, right? I got a fiduciary duty. So if something bad, right? Like I don't want to treat people poorly either, but back to there's rules, right? I can enforce the rules generally better than a lot of owners can. That is the number one. Um, owners come to us often. It's a mess, right? And, and it's my job to explain two things. One, yes, we can fix it. B, it's going to cost you money, right? At this point, you have a resident that owes you $8,000, probably did $8,000 in damage. I'm not going to fix this in two months, right? But we're going to talk in a year and see where we're at. And then we're going to talk in another year and see where we're at. And I'm like, it took you, you know, a while to break it. It's going to take a while to fix it. But that's that's another key reason. And when you get to, to the larger properties, even when you get to apartments, having a, a full model of looking at the everything, we're usually better at it, right? I'm, I'm pretty good at understanding um, what we can get rents to. Um, what we can do with expenses and what that means to the value of your building, right? And and that's where we can use evidence-based approach, right? I've done it with my own. I, I mentioned I bought a couple buildings. The first year we added over a million dollars in equity to them, right? And that's what I do again and again. And that's what a property manager's job is, right? And the how you do it is some of the stuff we talked about, right? You got to treat the people right, but also the numbers. There's a whole lot. And one person tends to be good at one thing. You know, I got brothers that are really good at fixing things. They'd be good at that. I'm really good with numbers. Um, and as much as I believe in people, I'm not actually that great at it. I got to hire that, right? When you hire a property manager, you get all of those things. And every time I've run the numbers, you can make generally, uh, unless you're really good at it, more money with a property manager than without. And that's the biggest thing. If if at the end of the day, it's about the actual asset, um, what I've seen is is... Yes, we cost money, but we generally make up that plus some. So that's the real reason to at least look at it um, for most people. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, that makes sense. The uh, goals of that owner, you know, if they want to grow or or not, um, and what they want to spend their time on, and, you know, how efficiently do they want to operate their property. Right. So, yep. very good. Hey, everybody. I'm interrupting the show quick because I wanted to invite you to a special event that I'm hosting at the end of 2019. You know, the end of the year is a great time to get together with friends and family to create new memories and even traditions. One tradition that my family has made over the last few years is volunteering at Feed My Starving Children. If you don't know what this organization is, you should definitely check out their website. It's fmsc.org. Basically, in a summary, they use volunteers to pack meals and then they send those meals overseas to different people and or areas that are suffering from hunger and can really use a helping hand. I really like volunteering at Feed My Starving Children because it gives you a tangible way to give back and it also creates discussion with my family and friends of how we can live a life of giving back and not just always being focused on ourselves. And so I've selected a date and I've reserved 50 spots. I'm hoping that you would help me fill one of those spots with yourself 
your friends and your family, this could be the tradition that you add this year and a great way to make memories with friends and family. So see the show notes where you'll find the date, the time, the location, and also a link where you can sign up and let us know that you're in. And with that, let's get back to the show. All right, so now I have a question from our audience. All right. Hi, I'm Timothy from Carver, Minnesota. Question I would have for you is how do you find that technology is changing being a landlord in today's environment? All right, I'm either the best or worst person for that coming from a technology background, right? But you, uh, it goes in a lot of ways, right? From what we get as tools, right? Uh, whether you're an independent owner or using a landlord, it's, it's all good, right? We have these amazing tools. Um, you know, leasing a property, could it be easier, right? That used to be a major thing of putting something in the paper, of uh, of doing all this stuff. And now you have companies all the way down to automating, signing up for a showing all the way down to, it just gives them a lockbox code and checks their ID. And the entire thing is automated. I mean, we have some crazy tools from technology. Um, on the flip side, right, you get where, you know, what point as a property manager, right, uh, you know, as a realtor, you know, right? Technology is trying to replace you, right? Um, so it's the same thing. You got some big money being thrown into the property management industry. So what's it really going to to, to do with that? Um, I'm sure you, like me, believe it, that there's still that people and that customer service and no technology. So I'm because of my background, the the, the scary negatives of it aren't aren't generally what I focus on. So I would say to that, technology has just made our job a, a whole lot easier, right? Of being able to online portals, take payments online. Um, you know, we take something um, a little different because again, a 55 plus building, but that one's 50%, but the rest of our portfolios are on 90% pay the rent online. I mean, we don't, we don't even take money at, at two of our apartment communities. They either mail a check to, to Minneapolis or they, they pay online, but that leaves like two people at each building that mail in a check. That's a phenomenal use of technology. And I would say what's gotten better is if you are someone not using a big property manager, that those tools are now getting all the way down to free um, as technology does. Now, are they sophisticated as what we use? No. But are they pretty darn good for, for someone managing one to, one to 10 properties? Yeah, really, really good stuff. So I, I, I look at it, technology has made, made our jobs better in a lot of ways. Yeah. Yeah, I would agree. There's... Uh, so many ways that you can do things more efficiently with technology. I think the challenge sometimes is learning them and staying on top of everything that's coming at you, all, all the things that are available. Right. Um, you know, one kind of follow-up question to that is, what property management software have you found that's best for you? Yeah, so the, uh, I, uh, you know, how to get staff managed, you change software a lot, right? And uh, so we've, I've used uh, three but one of them twice. So I've, we've changed property management software four times. Um, I, I have respect for most of them and everything fits a given person and, you know, small people. And like, there's things like cozy that's out there for free. We use that folio. Um, I have strong reasons. We use it. I know people that violently oppose me on it. Um, but the fact that I could pull up my phone, my tablet, my anything right now, I could sign a lease. I could do absolutely anything that's needed in my job. Between that and Google Drive, I have access to everything there is, right? People always then use the cliche on a beach, and, and the reality is I'm not that I'm not going to be on a beach. I'm going to be working, but no matter where I'm working, um, I can pull it up, and that's important um, to me. So 
that software for a, a few things. We have integrated workflows in it and everything. So every person that moves in clicks off, you know, 20 tasks of what needs to get done. It's trackable and assigned to the right person in my company. Because um, like I say, this industry is, is a whole lot of simple things. I mean, it really is. And that's why people think it's easy. But if you miss one, the the what can happen can be catastrophic, right? From now you're paying their electric bill for a year or two. You're right, you know, a small mistake on a lease um, can be a lawsuit. A small mistake on you forgot to ask them to do this or you didn't follow the license with the city or you didn't. Uh, very small things cause big actions. So, yeah, that's, that's why I like it. Yeah. Well, you know, that's really interesting what you've said about these integrated workflows. And, um, you know, can you tell us, for example, that as many as you could remember, what are the 20 things that, that happen when your tenant moves in? Oh, I wish I, uh, I, I could pull it up. But I've actually delivered, I, I used to do some presentations on technology for people that want to keep their day job, right, of the tools you can use. And one of them is I would just pop up what our move-in workflow looks like. And the entire slide is just filled with steps, right? And the whole point is to look overwhelming. But the reason is, is because it doesn't matter how small it is, right? If it could be missed, I want it on there. So it isn't that you're doing a whole lot of magic, right? But, you know, everything from the keys, right? If we're doing a turn, right, there's, there's three things in there, right? There's a move out, there's a turn, and there's a move in. And so making sure you efficiently do all that in there, that you get all the inspections done, that maintenance is scheduled, that everything is done from, from making copies of keys if you need them, to marking where the keys are, um, to, again, verifying rental licenses, to, um, you know, just the basics of, of scheduling all this. And especially once you scale, right? I always say you can do a whole lot of stuff. If your goal is just to be a mom and pop, you don't need a lot of these tools because the knowledge will be in your head. It's the first day it has to be somewhere other than your head that if that's the way you ran things, you're, you're going to struggle, right? Because no one will know how to do anything. The idea for us to, to document workflows means I can bring someone in. It, it makes us scalable. It means if, if, you know, Julie, I don't have a Julie, so I made up a name, um, left us that we wouldn't not know what to do because everything's in Julie's head, right? So once you're trying to be, you know, uh, there's a reason a McDonald's is successful, you might hate their food, right? Um, but I've been to McDonald's in several countries of the world, and it's all the same. You only get that level of consistency, not from great employees, because let's face it, McDonald's not known probably for the highest quality employees, right? But it's their systems and processes that are so well-defined, you can't mess it up. Yeah. And that's the idea. So the, the specifics of what they are... Um, it's funny because even before I came here, I'm, I'm working with, with uh, one of my assistant property managers because we, we redo them constantly. Every time you make a mistake or something doesn't go right, right, you go back and edit it. And that's, again, part of the experience, right? After 12 years of making mistakes, right, we get it down pretty good. And that's, but we're still making changes all the time. Um, but the what is, is just everything you could think of that you could get wrong from signing that lease to filling out the right boxes in that lease to giving to saving that lease, you know, for us to Google Drive, you know, to, to archiving it where it belongs, to making sure it's shared with the resident. You know, just think of every tiny step, each one's a, a click box, and we can then put metrics against it, right? It should take this long, it took this long, and, and you can improve. Um, and that for us, we have to balance customer service with efficiency, right? Because owners don't want to pay us um, all, all their money, right? And I don't blame them, right? If you spend a million dollars on a property, you don't want to put all that profit back into us so we can have just 
billions of employees doing every little thing. So we have to be incredibly efficient. Yeah. You know, that list is, is so important even beyond those people that want to scale up because what happens when you pass away prematurely right. and, and you're left to your wife or, or your spouse and, and all the heirs, you know, very often that transition period can be really confusing. I mean, not to mention all the emotional stuff that's going on, but if the business is suddenly going sideways because nobody knows where the keys are, right. where the leases are, who to, you know, who to call for what, it can be a complete mess. Oh, yeah. I like the uh, prime example because I've been through it. It's every time you get hand a, a bank on property, right? Because you, you, you were given nothing except a box of keys. Good luck, right? You don't even know where the leases are or if you have any. There's zero process. The residents don't know what to expect. And it is chaos for a long time. So, so you're right. I always use the example that, yeah, mom and pop is less important. But you're right. What if, what if you know, that, that hit by a bus thing, right? Uh, example, you always got to use in a business. What happens if I get hit by a bus? I, uh, it's fine, right? If my own investments, you know, if I were gone, my wife is not involved um, in the company. But it wouldn't matter, right? It, it's all there process is there, it's documented, and, and you're right, it's very important for a lot of reasons. Well, we've talked about this a little bit, but I want to um, focus on the value of the property. As you as sure. you touched on, you know, it's the income minus the expenses. Um, so what are ways that you as a property manager have helped your owners find income that they didn't have before? Sure. Um, Right, and it's it's hard to give an answer that's uh, clever. This right, because it's obviously you know raise the rent or uh, save money, right? And you can't save money in most expenses. I mean, you can shop insurance, but you know where you don't want is the cheapest insurance. So it's not the uh, you know right. You want the right insurance for the best price. It's like everything, um, and you certainly property taxes, right? And so you're down to things like maintenance, right? And that's where I always go back to. So for us, yeah, we own a maintenance company. That's how we control it. Um, it's super important. It probably is the biggest variable, right? If one of our owners, if, if, especially single family, right? We're talking now, if, if anything changes for them, it's maintenance every time because everything else is the same. They literally get to the point. They expect the same check in their account every month. Like it's a paycheck. Um, so for one, I'd argue that's a bad way to look at an investment because I, I can tell you the stock market, uh, there's dividends, but they're not sending you a check every month for, for investing in it, right? But when you get to multifamily, then it's a whole different game. And it's a little, or even when you scale single family, because it, then you really can make a 10% difference that does something substantial, right? Um, and I look at it again, back to the, what I try to explain to, to folks in my company, it's like, what happens if rents go up $10 a month on this 100 unit property, right? And they're like, uh, you know, you make a uh, thousand bucks, right? For those that can do a little bit of math, right? Uh, good. How much is that a year? 12,000. All right. What does that mean to the property? Right. And I think it's, it's, uh, I actually tried to look it up earlier. So I'd memorize this, but it's like a, at a cap rate of seven, it's, it's about $172,000 or something to the value of the building. $10, right? Trivial amount. You add $172,000 to the value of a building. That's to me, the important part. And that helps people think of the long term. Right. So, you know, what can I do to, you know, stop losing money this month? Well, maybe nothing. Right. Because every action you take might take a while. Right. Um, can you get higher rents? Right. Well, if you're below market. Yeah. And that's back to, uh, you know, where property managers usually a little better at, at that. I have I have no problem raising rents. I have problem with charging unfair rents, which 
usually only happens in the, the lowest segment, right? That, that sort of abusive rents, right? And I don't agree and I won't manage that. But normally, right, you want at market. And I don't really care. I mean that in the nicest way possible that Sally's been an amazing resident for 15 years. I would too if I was paying half of market rent, right? Uh, you got you to gotta jump it up and you don't jump it up 10 bucks. Put it at market, right? And odds are Sally will stay because odds are she knows, right? If you've been taking care of her in every other way, people are willing to pay the fair price. And, and so that's, that's the biggest part is just uh, rent is the easiest lever, right? And my problem is it can sound bad, right? And it can play off bad on, on all this stuff taken out of context. Like you're just squeeze more and more and more. And we're well aware it's part of our mission statement that residents pay to 50% of their income towards what we do. And I take great responsibility in it, but it's like everything. It's about balance and fairness and, and everything else, right? You want market rents at market rents. So we bought a building last, uh, every two of the three buildings I bought, we raised rents uh, essentially as soon as we got them um, because they were below market. It didn't cause a mass exodus or panic or all that, right? Some grumbling, yeah. But I say the same thing. I'm like, you know why they're not going to leave? Because it's still the fair price, right? What you were doing before didn't work. And you had one resident paying $500 a month and another one paying 800 for the same unit. I'm like, how is that fair then? Like, like that doesn't bother you? That $300 disparity? Like, that bothers me more than telling everyone to pay 800 you know? Um, but that, that's the easiest. And, you know, the lowering expenses, like I said, it, it, there aren't a, a ton of things you can do. Um, there are smart things you can do, right? If your water bill's too high, right? Figure out why, right? Um, you know, the, you know, you can even argue property taxes, right? I mean, there are, we work with some great lawyers. If the property taxes are unfair, you don't have to accept that, right? If they're truly unfair. If the fact you don't like pay property taxes, that's on you, right? But if, your actual property is off. I've, I've won those when, when you fight them. I mean, there's a process for all that. And you've got to just not, not be afraid and know the right context. But the normal is like what I said. It's, it's looking at long-term because maybe there's a, uh, an addition, a repair, a, a something major, some kind of capital improvement you can do that will pay itself back in, in three years. So for three years, it might not be great, but you're four, five, six, right? It's gravy. So if you can think that long-term, um, I, I have a great, good example. I had a 20-unit uh, building I bought um, in, in Baldwin, Wisconsin, and unit 20 was studs and concrete. It had flooded once with the previous owners, and they didn't want to spend the money to do anything about it. And I'm sure they just looked at it as like, this is $20,000. And that's what, a good chance to explain to people. I'm like, okay, so the rent's a thousand, so they're losing twelve thousand dollars a year to not spend twenty. What's the payback, right? A year and a half, and after that, they make twelve thousand a year, which is, I think, I came to close to the same thing, right? So a hundred, you know, nearly two hundred thousand dollars at a, at a seven cap in value to the building. So of course I did that, and then I sold the building, right? I mean, why wouldn't you do that? So it's, so it's. In summary, right, you, you got the easy, right? Raise rent, make sure your market, be fair. There's some expenses you control, maintenance being the biggest one. And again, you either work with a property manager with good relationships that works for the vendor enough to get good prices um, or owns the maintenance company. We do both, um, you know, and then it's, to me, the fun stuff is the big stuff, right? We've added washers and dryers to units that didn't have them before. It was a, it was a big CapEx, but if it gets you $200 rent increase, Right. What's the payoff? Everything we do, 
right? What's what's the payback? And if it's if it's three years, it's a no brainer. If it's five years, it's smart for a lot of people. If it's twenty years, don't do it, right? And yeah. That those are the things. Okay. You know, diving into one of those areas, the utilities, you know, what do you recommend as a way to really analyze, say, your water bill or just everything combined to make sure that they're, you know, you aren't, aren't losing something? Yeah. And it's, it's, uh, uh, I see now I got to find a source. See, I have my property that not only did I find out was, was flooding a couple of days ago, right? And you got to deal with that. It turned out we thought it was flooding from all the rain because it's got a crawl space, but it turned out, no. My hot water heater, or hot, sorry, water heater in the crawl space had a leak. So I was paying for the water to heat the water to dump it into a sump pump to flood my building. That's, you got to catch stuff like that, right? So part of it is is that, right? You got to have, you know, our our maintenance techs know if they're out there, you know, you, whether if you use the dye tablets or whatever, right? Look, if the water's swirling in the tank, it doesn't matter if you hear it even, right? A leak can be subtle. Um but water is mostly leaks, right? Um, sometimes it's just management, right? We uh, had a high water usage. You go out and you see they have a pool. Uh, yeah, that's not okay, right? Back to understand your lease. You can't just use the owner's water to, to fill your pool, uh, plus the insurance liability of the pool, right? Um, not a kiddie pool, bigger pool, <laughs> right? The uh, uh, That's the main thing. But also if, if utilities, if, if you're in an apartment or something, right, you can look at things like rubs, uh, depending on the, the market and the legality. But I think in Minnesota and Wisconsin, I believe it's both legal, um, you know, and build some of that back. We have an apartment building where we just started adding it on. So the, the lease was the rent was still the same amount, but there was a, uh, you know, a, a rubs charge of, of that gas. Well, it was like twenty five hundred dollar a month gas charge, I think, a small building. But that's $2,500. Well, we recouped all of that. It was a huge value for the building. So I would look at, at billing back utilities. Now, I'm scared to do that because with small owners, sometimes they do things they, they can't do. You got to be real careful of uh, common elements, right? If you have a, uh, a single hallway that has a light bulb that gets built back to a resident and that gets back to Excel, Excel will build all that electricity back to you, right? So I, that's my public service. Be real careful and know what you're doing with utilities and, and the law because you cannot not disclose and charge someone for any common area utility. Um, but the rest is check for leaks. Um, rubs is a good thing. Are, yeah. are the two I have. Yeah. yeah. With rubs, you know, outside from checking the legality, just also the marketability of it is, is everybody else in your market doing that or, or not? Right. So, yeah. And part of it, I always say, I, I don't like tricky stuff, but most people shop on things based on, on rent price. Um, and they don't, notice all those other things i wish they would right in a way uh, a rent thing would be more fair if it said average utilities and you saw what the all-in actually probably is right because a thousand dollar place with included heat and a thousand dollars with electric heat are very different actual costs but i can tell you if someone looking on zillow or craigslist all they see is the thousand dollars so rubs will usually play in in an owner's favor i don't necessarily like it but uh, i found most people aren't sophisticated enough to think through utilities obviously yeah. yeah what about um proactively uh doing maintenance or maybe identifying some type of product that is just more long lasting than another have you found any um kind of strategies with that to reduce expenses in the future yeah so it's it's uh this is another one of those fun uh you know multifamily versus single family and everything's harder in single family sorry right it's where we all start 
Some people stay there. Some people own tons of single family uh, because, well, the, it's a whole different way it's valued in the end, right? So if you feel that appreciation is going to be your moneymaker, great. But it's harder to do, right, to, to think of some of that stuff because mostly then you have to put in the fixtures and the equipment that matches what the house is, right? Yeah. Um, in apartments, yeah, you can put in a the cheapest toilet on earth or you can put in a good one. And I can tell you, you, you win with the good one. And the answer is usually still somewhere in the middle. You'll answer with the right one, right? The Paying a whole gob of money for that extra 1%, right? It's, it's fun for rich people, but it's not not a good way to do things. But also the bottom stuff is often crap, right? Anyone who thinks everything's the same, even in a toilet, right? It's not true, right? The cheapest ones, you're just going to have problems. And problems with the toilet, no one wants it. Whether it's leaking or clogging or whatever it is, it's going to be a nightmare for you, right? So thinking further ahead is, is usually better. Uh, flooring material is probably the biggest one and the biggest change, right? Probably in our industry, right? All of us got sick of replacing carpet, right? So you're seeing vinyl planking everywhere. And the great thing about vinyl planking is it looks good and it holds up better. Like it's a win-win. It's a win for the resident. It's a win for the owner. So there's a quick one, right? If you're still installing a lot of carpet, um, vinyl planks, you know, put carpet in the bedroom or carpet somewhere, right? You don't want the place cold looking or cold feeling, but that, that look of planks is just a really good one. And that stuff, you get double the longevity of your carpet at least. So yep. that's a good one. Yeah. Yep, nice. That's been really popular. Yeah. Um, so I want to ask you, uh, what's your role as a manager during the acquisition or disposition of your owners, of the properties that your owners have, especially as um, you're also an investor? So do the owners ever consider you maybe competition or, you know, how do you see your role in that? Yeah, it's funny because I have never been asked that since like our first like year, I feel like. Like I didn't even remember it except when when people bring it up and it's usually a, a peer or someone that brings it up so i don't feel owners have issue with it and, and they shouldn't of course you know i explain it two ways one well now my properties aren't near most of what we manage but two i don't manage any of them my company does right so there is no there'll never be any kind of different treatment it wouldn't make sense right um as far as on the the sales side right um i am a broker I have agents, but we're not a brokerage, which means uh, generally we don't get involved unless they want us to. Now, have I sold properties for my owners? Yeah, I will. Of course I will. But it's not a, a primary. And it's only because I, um, sorry, I said, I mean, I'm an investor. If they want my knowledge and they don't have someone, right, I'm happy to help them. But we don't strongly market it because same thing, right? You're good at what you do. I'm good at what I do. Um, and I don't want to mess something up, right? So at the same point, if they want a, an opinion on the investment side, um, you know, same thing, or just an opinion who to work with. That's what I'd say. Like all realtors aren't the same, just like all property managers aren't the same. So if you're selling an investment, please, right, get someone that handles investments or they're just going to throw it in the MLS next to a house and, and not know why they're not getting what they want, right? They're different. Um, but if, if they want help, you know, coming up with, uh, like I told you once a year, like we, you know, the idea of coming out and going, this is what we think your investment is, is worth, right? We see their expenses, the majority of them, not everything, but enough and we can fill in the rest. So more than anyone, we have a good idea of, of value, right? And that, that's something I do. So I, 
Short answer, right? So it, it really, like everything, it, it just depends. Sure. I Most of the, the selling and buying I directly work with are my own stuff. Um, and even that is just because when you start getting into apartments, it's mostly off market and it's just a whole, whole nother animal. Um, sure. And that's another thing, right? There's a place I'll help someone, right? If it's, if it's something that's just off market. Um, but if you're looking to sell your home on the MLS, if you want us to help you, great. But just know it's not our, it's not our wheelhouse, right? This is the best way I can say it. I'm selling my former home right now and I used a, another company to list it, which that takes a bit of swelling of your pride to go, I'm a broker in this city, but I'm not the most qualified to sell my own home. And I'm, and I'm not. So that's the thing. I'm part of the team. Um, and if you're selling a single family, usually we're out of it. If you're selling a single family, just in the single family market, usually we're, we're out of the whole process right away. We let the realtor take over. We usually will end the contract because it's just people stepping on each other. Um, if it's an investment base, then it's, it's usually a whole different Different yeah. thing. And then what about if uh, somebody maybe is coming into the market here wanting to buy something, you know, 50 unit building, and they want to kind of talk to you about what are what should they expect for income and expenses at any given property? Do you go on property tours with them? Um, even if, you know, maybe some cases they have their own agent or some cases they don't, but... Um, yeah, how do you advise them going into a market for the first time? Yeah, so there, there's two ways. So the tour is less often. I will because it's fun. I'm not going to lie, right? That's the one time I'm, I'm jealous of, of realtors, right? What is the most fun part, right? Property tours. It's like that. It's like Disneyland if you're a real estate geek, right? You just, it's, it's fun, right? But my, my, the best part to give me is the numbers, right? That's, that's what I want, right? Give me a, give me a trailing 12 and, and, um, you know, some actuals, because I mean this in the nicest way, standing next to someone who works primarily on the, on the brokerage side, uh, the numbers you probably got from the realtor um, probably aren't good. They're very rosy, so they are good, but they aren't realistic, right? So I'm someone, you know, give me a, at least a trailing 12. Ideally, if it's a bigger thing, I want the last three. Um, and the difference is the last, they don't have to look good, right? I mean, I've, taken properties from crap and, and, and three years made them good. So I don't care that year three looks bad, but I have enough experience to see that picture and to advise. So that's, that's probably my biggest strength. And I will do that gladly um, for someone, even if they're working with a, another broker. Nice. Okay. Well, that is the majority of my questions on kind of management and such. Sure. Um, I want to ask you to look into your crystal ball. All right. But I know you, we all don't really have, but <laughs> based on your experience with how quickly, you know, properties are getting rented and, you know, any concessions that are required nowadays, what's your projection going into this fall or next year? You know, we've got a crazy election coming up here. Yeah. Um, but based on your experience, you know, what's really going to happen with the re rental market? Yeah. So it, it's funny. I, uh, I have a peer who's delivering a speech next month on that topic, and I, I love listening to it. I'm not a, uh, a big crystal ball person, but I, I can tell you. So here's both sides of it. Rental market, entire time I've been in it, it's been good. So I'm a little, uh, you know, I started in the, in the recession. And even in the recession, values were terrible, but were the renters? Yeah. Tons of them, right? Everyone lost their house. Of course, there's renters. Um, so we've had this strong market where, where rents continue to go up. They can't go up forever. So there is, you know, I, you feel the, the, the change in that because governments will get involved if it keeps going, right? So we're, 
I wouldn't, I wouldn't buy anything and think, you know, it's, it's just going to go into the stratosphere. Now will something terrible happen, right? The trick is it's a global world now. So the terrible that could happen could come quicker than, you know, and, and anything that's a 50, 50 chance, right? Everyone's going to say, ha, or, or, or no, I've been self-employed my whole life. I've never cared who's in power or what's going on when I make a decision and I still operate that way and I recommend it. If it's a good deal now, it's a good deal. Um, if you ever buy something you think because it's going to appraise into the wazoo and that's all it has going for it, that's a bad idea at the bottom and a bad idea at the top. Just don't do that sort of investment, right? That's, that's just going to Vegas, right? And if that's what you're into, great, but just know it is what it is. So a stable, uh, there's not going to become a, a sudden world where people aren't renting anymore. Um, now, we used to say in, in, in our side that millennials will never buy. And then they started buying, right? So it's back to no extremes are right. So, yeah, my crystal ball, uh, if you find a good deal, still buy it. I bought more in the last, you know, 14 months than I've bought in my life. And some would argue we're about to fall. At the same time, I just sold all my stocks. So am I nervous? Maybe. But not not on not on rental investment and that's because i if you understand it enough or work with someone that is you won't make a bad buy and then you're you're in good good shape good stuff okay and as we wrap up here i want to just give the audience a little more chance to get to know you personally sure and so can you tell us why you get up in the morning yeah i uh uh, see, that's a, that's a tricky question because I'm a night person. So you should say, what keeps you up all night? But that's usually considered a negative. But, um, you know, on a, on a, on a personal level, right, I, I, I got a wife and kids and, and family and all the things that really matter in life, right? And we can, hopefully we can all say that, whether it's a wife and kids, but just some, some real thing, right? Some concrete. Like I, 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 I love my kids. I love my wife. I love life, right? I, I like good food. I like, uh, you know, I like boating, I like hockey, right? But on a professional level, I, I just enjoy, um, I enjoy two things. I enjoy investment. I love watching, um, you know, we didn't go to the whole thing, but my properties didn't make money for like six years. I never took a penny out of them, right? And that's why when I, I say it's a long game, it's because I, I did live it, right? I, I, uh, I had people not pay rent. I had to evict. I, at times, people owed me so much money, it was scary, right? I would take cash because at least they were giving me something, right? You went through all this crazy stuff, right? And all the stories that I have trouble coming up with now, right? That's when they happened, right? But you saw through it and, and you, you didn't give up and you didn't sell out. And then you exchange into something. You know, I would take a dozen duplexes and put them into one, one better building. And you do that a few times. And then suddenly you're in, in a 20 unit. And then because you bought that down here, there's enough equity you know, like I said, uh, we're up to 290 now versus, I don't know how many we ever had, but 60 or something without really having to keep putting more money into it. That's, that's a phenomenal thing. And, and I thoroughly enjoy that part and, and explaining and teaching it. it it's, it's a passion. Um, on the management side, it's, it's bringing it, it's, it's everything I'd mentioned earlier that it's, it's about people. And I, I'm, I'm, Everyone's just vilifying everything. Everything's left, right, and 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 red, blue, and, and all this. And I, I think there's a movement. I think enough people agree with me. Of of, I'm done with that. Like like, residents aren't terrible. Owners aren't terrible, right? They don't want to spend money. They break everything. He doesn't want to pay for anything, right? No, 
we all want the same thing, right? And, and we're all different, right? So we're not going to be the same, right? But, but solving that problem, that's my passion. And I'm not going to say I have it solved. I don't. But that, that's actually what keeps me up um, at night is trying to solve that. That's great because you know, I was just thinking recently um, with the discussion about the ordinances that Minneapolis is putting into place. And I went to that hearing recently and just seeing the adversity uh, or uh, animosity. I don't know right the, what the right. right word is, but <clears throat> the two sides conflicting there. And I was like, guys, we all want the same thing. Right. We, we all want safe, affordable housing, right? Right. Um, so, yeah, if we can find out how to communicate that and how to make it happen. Yeah, and I, I have been proud of of, of my peers and, and what they did in that. And um, I watched two sides, two groups. I'm at one that isn't from the area, just complaining on the Internet about it. And the other that was there with you at the table and maybe didn't get exactly what we want, right? There's still, we don't have perfection at all, right? But we're talking and we're working and, and just because day one you didn't get there, that if, if you keep doing that, it's the same thing. I didn't make money for six years. Like there's no fast fix to this, right? So I, I love the idea and I'm glad you were there and, and everyone that is there for that and not there just to complain or to hold up a picket sign, but to talk like yeah. You want what I want, what you want. It's just not that easy. You know, yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, we can't build affordable housing as developers. So how do we solve it? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, next question is what is a person or event in your history or your, um, that was really pivotal to be, help you become who you are today? Oh, that's a, that's a tricky one. I have a, a, a complicated, uh, history. I, uh, you know, I've, I feel like I've lived 30 lives. So I've, any, you know, it's good. I mean, you're affected by everyone around you, but I, uh, you know, I've, I've been every story, right? I, I've been poor where you're living in neighborhoods where you're getting robbed. And I've been, uh, had where I felt like the system's working against you and, and there was no way out. And, and you, you know, whatever it is, you, you find your way out. Right. And, and, and that, that story, right. Of, of being able to do it, um, at the same time, realizing it's not, I got lucky in so many ways and I'm so conscious of that in everything I do. But, you know, you're affected from, from teachers, you're affected from, from mentors. I still have people in the industry that I love to talk to that mostly they don't think the same way as me, but you respect them. That's the most important thing, right? So the people that affect me the most are, are that they're not just like me. Because you can find that and then you find you're just agreeing on everything. And you're like, and all you can do is just get mad at the other then, right? Because you all agree, so they must be stupid, right? It's when you find that person that can earn your respect that doesn't think like you. Those those are the people and they're, they're a more rare find that you, you tend to remember. Yeah. Nice. Okay. And as we wrap things up here, uh, if anybody wants to get in touch with you to talk about property management, sure. uh, what's the best way that they can reach you? Yeah, the uh, the best way is uh, email. I'll be honest, I'm a, a tough tough guy on the phone, and I uh, I don't mean to be. I'm just busy. So it's just Kurt C U R T at investpm.com. Our website's investpm.com. If you're really sophisticated and fun, if you use Calendly, right? So people that know that, you go to Calendly slash investpm Kurt. Um, then you can actually just set up a meeting with me right there. Um, again, I keep my calendar pretty full, so you can find a time, and I'm happy to chat, video chat with anyone. 
doesn't matter if you're even going to work with me. If you're in the industry, it's, it's fun for me. So Nice. Well, Kurt, I really appreciate you coming in. Um, drove in all the way from Hudson. Sure. No problem. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I want to give you a small gift here. I got a little mug here. Oh, thank you very much. And I want to ask you, uh, what are you going to put in there? Uh, coffee or hot chocolate or what? Yeah, vodka. Is that right, the answer? Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's going to be a combination of coffee or scotch, depending on the time of the day. How's that? All right. Uh, but uh, I do like coffee. So. <laughs> Wonderful. All right. Well, thank you again, Kurt. And uh, thank you to all of our listeners and viewers. I really appreciate you tuning in. Um, if you got anything out of this, we'd like to know that you're listening. So go ahead and comment on the YouTube video. You can comment on uh, iTunes. You can give us a rating review. And also, as you notice, we have a question from the audience. We'd like to get more of those. So if you've got a burning question for your managing your own properties, please go ahead and uh, look in the show notes. You'll see some instructions for how to submit your question. So thank you so much. Until next time, make it a great one. All right. Thank you. The opinions shared on this show are for informational purposes only and should not be taken as a solicitation for representation or investment in any specific offering. Please consult with your financial, legal, tax, and real estate advisor before making any investment decisions. John Stiles is a licensed Minnesota real estate agent with Bridge Realty. Thanks for tuning in to Maximizing Your Property Value, the apartment owner's guide to operating rental properties as a successful business. If you're considering scaling up, downsizing, or right-sizing your real estate investment portfolio, it's important to know how to determine your property's value in today's market. That's why I've put together a free ebook for you called How to Calculate Your Investment Property's Value. To get your copy, go to www.realestatestyles.com forward slash value. Now, if you found any value in today's show, be sure to subscribe to our email newsletter, YouTube channel, and podcast through your favorite podcast player. All the links are in the show notes. And would you do me a big favor? Help me get the word out about this show by sharing with your friends on Facebook and LinkedIn. And lastly, we appreciate your five-star rating on iTunes. I really appreciate you and wish you the best in your real estate investing career. Signing off, I'm John Stiles with Bridge Realty. Make it a great day.